Welcome to the Calgary Sessions. I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. This is episode number 24. Um, today's guest is another um, connection from a good friend of ours, Ryan Turbide. Mm-hmm. Ryan Turbide seems to always throw his friends under the bus and he will not come on the show. Yeah, no, we're, we're putting an end to that. He's going to be... He's going to be sitting in this chair very soon. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I'll let this guest introduce himself, name, and he's got a couple of businesses so he can rattle off whatever he wants. Sure. My name is Aaron Ellard. I'm the co-founder and marketing director at Monitor Creative, where we do um, branding, uh, brand development, uh, and design for restaurant, real estate, and hospitality businesses. Uh, I'm also the owner of Lamano, a uh, fresh pasta business where we have you know, retail, fresh pasta, counter service restaurant, and our pasta club of the month. Cool. Um, and I'm going to ask you about that one because I love pasta. So yeah, I'm very curious about that one. Um, you've watched one show with our friend David Brenning, which is cool just to get a kind of point of reference for what's, what's about to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I just like the guests to go back as, as far as they want to go. And the cool thing about you is like we talked about off camera is our worlds are very intertwined. We've mm-hmm. never met until Turbite hooked us up. Mm-hmm. But our interests, the, the circles we ran in, like it's all the same. So this will be a really cool experience for me to hear your backstory. So go back. Go back to where you grew up, how you grew up, parenting, what you're interested in. Like take it back. Oh, boy. Um, I'll take it back. I'll take it back a, a ways. I won't go back. I won't go to birth. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just fast forward a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but I, wa- I was born in Calgary. Uh, I moved to Abbotsford when I was seven, uh, and then you know from there we we hopped over to Port Coquitlam. So that's where I did a lot of my growing up as a youth, um, you know, uh, middle school and high school and, and those sorts of things. Um, some of the things I think key points that kind of led me to where I'm at right now. One of them uh, just being traveling. Uh, you know, I went to Europe. Uh, when I was 17, spent a month there kind of backpacking and stuff. Solo or with a crew or? Uh, with a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, we went, you know, we went around and one of the things that I really loved on that trip was just all the graffiti. Um, so taking photos along the way, everywhere I went, you know, uh, street art, you know, whatever. And, and at that time, you know, it wasn't like you could cruise through mm-hmm. Instagram and see a whole bunch of artwork mm-hmm. that you're really attracted to. It was like, you know, you had to like see it in person. And, and that's what I think was really special about the graffiti scene back then. And um, So, yeah, I just uh, I took some of that back with me in that that trip and the experience. Um, and I started being really attracted to art uh, in general. And there were. Uh, you know, there was a couple galleries in Vancouver, Aiden Gallery, uh, El Cartel, um, you know, had a huge impact on me. They were, a, a, you know, a streetwear store and art gallery it had like monthly openings. And I, I just started to find myself getting into that culture a bit more and like, you know, cr- yep. being a part of, you know, a, an artful community, yep. I would say. So before you, mm-hmm. before you took off to Europe, like... Mm-hmm regular just kind of going like just living like hanging out playing sports messing around art were you a creative person or were you like um you know i in retrospect i was a creative person um uh i was more brought up to not be and <laughs> i was, was more like an emphasis on the sciences and you know getting great good grades in those yep. subjects and then you know, it wasn't until maybe a like grade 12 or something, you know, I had to choose like an art elective. Yep. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I, I got into photography, yep. into a photography class. And, um, you know, I was deeply into it at that time. I was, you know, uh, you couldn't get me out of the darkroom mm. in, yeah, in that class. Because it was new and you were just like, yeah. this is... Yeah, and yeah, I was just lights are on, you're ready to go. And I was experimenting and taking photos for the first time, you know, and I have a film camera and I'm developing the film and you know, trying other things, yeah. multiple exposures. My uh yeah, my my photography teacher, she's like writing on my reports and stuff. She's like, You have the eye, like no ten way. out of ten yeah. <laughs> stuff. And I was just like, Yeah, sweet. What uh, what'd your parents say when they're like Oh they, yeah, they loved it. Like, yeah. you know, showed them and they have a whole album of Yep. you know, photos that I, that I took and developed myself and, you know, and that, that as well, like I, you know, continued that when I went to Europe and, you know, was taking photos of, of yep. art and yeah. 
did did your that that kind of the at home push to do the scholastic stuff like traditional things did that when you figured out that you had the creative bone in you Mm -hmm. did they allow you to like scratch it and like oh yeah 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 I was allowed to do you know I didn't I didn't have a very I wouldn't say it was like a strict upbringing it was like you're gonna be a professional of some sort doctor lawyer you know I, I did a lot of things um, I was also a competitive gymnast no growing way. up. So like which 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 um, apparatuses? Well, all the men's stuff, like all around men's gymnasts. So no way. Yeah, that's floor, pommel horse, rings, vault, parallel bars, high bar. No way. In that order, that's the order. That, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you do those events. But um, uh, yeah, so uh, I did that all growing up. Uh, like competitive. Competitive from eleven to seventeen is when I stopped. Which was a huge commitment, right? It was like a huge six commitment. six days a week at least, like easily. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was like during the summer, it was like training twice a day, morning, evening. Yeah, you know, we it was a forty plus hour a week mm-hmm. sort of commitment. Um, so, yeah, I you know did that all through school, and you know kept me. Uh, you know, I think it developed some some habits for me, some competitiveness and some yeah. discipline and, you know, that sort of thing. So. How'd you get into gymnastics? It's it's not an obscure sport. It's obscure in my world, but it's definitely a... Yeah, I mean, it's... I wanted to play hockey, but my dad was like, you don't want to get up at five in the morning. <laughs> Fair. Uh, that's probably true. And he also probably knew, he's like, oh, you're you're not going to be very tall. Because <laughs> <laughs> of genetics? Yeah, yeah. So hockey, football, those sorts of things were like... he. I think he had like, you know, uh, some you know, foresight into that. And then, but I, you know, I was, you know, five, right. Yeah. And, you know, at that, that time, you know, he took me to university of Calgary and, um, uh, we just kind of like stood on the sidelines of like, you know, this gymnastics going mm-hmm. on. And, you know, my, my dad was a diver there and he used to coach at UFC as well. And, gotcha. um, so, you know, he brought, he brought me there and he's like, you know, I'm seeing people doing cartwheels and stuff. He's like, so do you want to do this? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're five, you're like, yeah, okay, sure. I'll do it. And then, so that I, I got into some recreational programs and uh, just went competitive a few years later. And those those lessons you learned, yeah. when, when you, you can really, you can see them now, it's mm-hmm. it's got to be like fairly obvious of what you, that work ethic and drive and yeah. competition and peers and... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All that transfers into what you're up to today, like... Um, I would say, well, I mean, the biggest one being the commitment, like just yeah. the... Yeah, just the work, and uh, and pushing through. I mean, I think you know gymnastics is a particularly mental sport um, because you have to be ready. Like yeah. you have to go for it. Because if you bail, you know, partway through a line or like a you know a release move or yep. whatever it is you're doing, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. Yep. So um, you know, having um, like visualizing what you're gonna do and you know, then executing mm-hmm. it all the way yep. is something that definitely carried through. How do you, um, when you're operating your businesses, that when you're deciding of how to grow or even just to open the business, are you are you actually like putting together a 15-page business plan or, or are you seeing something and you're just going that direction because you know when you see it, you yeah. see the vision, you can work towards it? Yeah. Um, it's a little of both. I mean... I went to Mount Royal and took the small business and entrepreneurship um, course that was offered there at the time. And the way I got into my first business was um, because I had taken this uh, new venture feasibility course. And it was just a business plan writing course. Um, The instructor, um, she had, you know, she was, uh, you know, I think one of the toughest instructors that I had in that program. Uh, and she was really, you know, harsh about certain things about your plan, but I spent the, you spend the whole semester with her just writing this plan and going through every part of it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the course, it was a third year course. You know, the end of the course, I had this thing and I was like, well, I'm going to do it now. And that business was, uh, the gallery. It was, um, it was a, you know, streetwear store. It was heavily influenced by El Cartel on Vancouver where I'd spent a lot of time and I, I had spoken to those guys quite a bit about him just like you know a bit of mentorship uh from them and yep. um and the whole concept was you know it's a clothing store it's an art gallery we hold we held monthly art openings 
Um, you know, I was getting artists to paint on the walls every time, do an installation, we'd show their work, we'd sell their work. Mm -hmm. um, it, for me at that time, it was more about involving myself in the arts. I was like, whatever I do, I want to just surround myself with the art. I'm not going to be the artist, yeah. so I'm going to just surround myself, immerse myself in it. Uh, and it's also how I'm going to be a part of the community and going to attract people here and, um, you know, share some of that passion that I had for artwork. So, yeah, that was that was the first business. Um, definitely heavily dictated by a business plan. You know, I went through all the steps in terms of like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put together the financials. I'm going to present it yeah. to the bank for loans and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Whether whether or not the the banks really look at that, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, they want to see you have it, and then they're like. Okay, so how much is your house worth? <laughs> <laughs> what, can you, what can you sign over to us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was... Um, the school thing, sorry. Yeah. The, the school thing's really interesting because I didn't know that. I kind of remember that program-ish, but yeah. I, don't, I never would have thought about going into it. Yeah. When, you, when you're done high school and you're trying to figure out what you're doing, Mm -hmm. Did you know right away that it was kind of the business and entrepreneur program that you were eyeing or what, like, how did your head get there? Well, my head got there, uh, because, so I, to go back, like yeah, a, keep going a back. couple of years, I like, I like going back. Yeah. I was like, you know, um, I guess around the same time that I got back from Europe, I also got a job at the keg. So yeah. I was, you know, I applied for it for a dish they're like no you're a bus boy and so i was like okay i don't know what that is but sure uh yeah and so i'd i'd been there um for a few months when i was like you know i really you know i really like the guys in the kitchen you know they seem to have a good thing going on just the banter and the energy yeah back there. absolutely and i was like i'm gonna i want to move into there and you know uh so they're like sure there you are and uh you started you know cooking appies and stuff like that and um I think it was within within six months, you know, I was starting to move up and, you know, now I'm on grill mm -hmm. and then, you know, there's a little bit of turnover and then I'm now one of the head cooks and, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And I really, really loved um, cooking and I loved that um, environment of just like, you know, powering through, um, like rushes. you know, yeah, exactly. And, and just, you know, getting it done and getting it done really well. Yep. Um, so when it was time to go to school, I thought, okay, well, I really love cooking, you know, um, I really love, you know, the arts and I guess I can be like, you know, that's an artful thing, you know, to yep. be a cook. And, yep. uh, so I'll go to business school though. Cause you know, I want to own a restaurant. So, you know, that's I, where you went. That's where I went. So I was, I was, you know, I was like, well, I could go to cooking school or I could go to business school. And mm -hmm. I, I took the business route. Yeah. Did you have any idea when you first started cooking the back of the keg that you would be that into it? No, no, like, I didn't. Yeah, not at all. And, um, you know, that was a, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. I learned a lot as well about, you know, just leadership mm -hmm. and uh, trying to run a line and, you know, all of that. But then, but then also not being a dick because, mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. because it was always that front of house, back of house. And, yep. you know, for the first little bit, I was like my, my buddy Alan there, it was like always just like kind of like yelling at the servers and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's what it's like. I'm going to be like <laughs> service and I'm going to be like, yeah, food runners and just like, you know, calling it out. And, uh, but that keg, like that, that Which stuff, one are we at? Uh, New Westminster, okay. yeah, which is isn't there anymore, but it was a haunted tra train station from the 1800s. Mm. Um, but that, that staff there, the camaraderie there was, was just like, um, so tight and all of the servers, front, everybody front of house, back in house, you have drinks afterwards, yep. and, you know, um, they were like at one time, you know, a couple of the girls pulled me aside and they're like, Aaron, don't be like Alan. Just... <laughs> you can't, don't do it, man. Like, you know, you should come serve. And I was like, well, you know what? I don't need to be a server to be nice. Yeah. So, you know, that changed everything for me. And, and I got a lot better at it. Like, you know, um, I was immediately propelled in, yeah. you know, uh, in the ranks at the keg and, and that carried forward to other restaurant jobs that I've had. So, so the, the restaurant, was that your first job then at that, at the keg? That was my first job. I was there for two years before moving to Calgary. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So the restaurant, so then it became, you knew right away that you wanted to own a restaurant. Yeah, that's a, like, you know, Just, yeah, when I moved to Calgary, um, uh, and I'm still, you know, I started going to school and stuff. I was like, I'm going to just stay in restaurants. Yeah. Um, I, you know, very soon got a job at um, the McLeod Trail Keg here. And mm-hmm. it was the same same situation. The kitchen manager at the time, he's just like, well, you know, some of these guys have been here a long time. And it was true. Like, they've been there 10 plus years mm-hmm. a lot of the line. And they're like, so I got to start you on apps. I know you're a head cook over there, but I got to start you on apps. Yeah. You know, and it was like 8 or $9 an hour or something yeah. like that no tips and uh (laughs) yeah but you know within a year i mean i just applied myself and within a year uh you know i was making 25 dollars an hour plus Mm -hmm. an extra 10 an hour in tips and Mm -hmm. i was the head cook there and you know some some of the other guys were upset about it but it was just like the difference was you know the communication and being able to you know manage my time and um save the restaurant a lot of money every night on errors did you when you're working you know when you're starting at appies or whatever you you know the hierarchy you know you know the ladder you have to climb to get to the km or whatever it is yeah was it in you did you know that you wanted to climb the ladder like did you want to get to the top of that did you want to perform at the high level or you know or you just okay doing your thing and letting it come come to you i inherently i'm not okay just like (laughs) letting stuff come to me yeah you (laughs) put the work in to go I put the work in and then also I just, you know, I don't know, my ego can't handle it or something, like, mm. you know. But, but, but it's weird though because you, yeah. you understand this team and you know how to communicate. Yeah. But it's that ego of just you want to you have the final say or you want to you be directing the team. Well, and it's whether, uh, whether I'm right or not, I think, yeah. I, I think that my approach is better and mm. that I want to, you know, yep. be the one calling the shots there. And that comes from experience. It comes from just confidence. It's just... Yeah, I mean, it probably uh, in the beginning came from overconfidence. Yeah, just being like a young kid thinking. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, just being a hothead. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So so that keg, you were there for a while, and then did you go somewhere else? Yeah, I was there for a while. I, um, you know, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I need to become a chef somewhere. Are because you going to school then, sorry? I'm still going to school. The right? business school. Business school. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to business school, cooking at the keg. I'm stepping on toes, and... Um, you know, as the, the years went by, uh, I was like, Hey, enough of the keg. I need to have a better understanding of restaurants and, um, also evolve my cooking skills and those sorts of things. So I, um, I took a, a big step down in pay to go work at Mercado. Yeah. Yeah. And so I worked, um, I, I got a, a job there probably through nepotism or something and uh <laughs> down on fourth street <laughs> yeah on fourth street okay yeah and they put me on the guard manger station and and my goal was to work there learn from everybody online which i did you know and i absorbed as much as i could and uh you know i was fortunate at the time like rob jewel was online uh you know steve smee and uh you know a couple other like you know really influential people in the mm-hmm. restaurant industry now and of course Spencer who's still the executive chef there mm-hmm. uh so so taking that opportunity to learn under them a little bit and yep. um did you know yeah. did you know you wanted to you wanted to go Italian or did you know that these players were there or was it just randomly that like it was 2007 so I knew it was the hottest restaurant in Calgary basically at the time mm-hmm. and I was like this is a place uh that's you know busy they have great food you know uh, they have a beautiful kitchen. It's an open kitchen, yep. you know. Uh, so I was really attracted to it, and and yeah, I I didn't know that I wanted specifically long term to go Italian, yep. but I did know that you know this was the culinary experience that I needed you mm. know, to have a better understanding of how a boutique kitchen works. Gotcha. Yeah. So how long? So you started off at that station. You said it very eloquently. I can't even pronounce what you said. <laughs> but you work in that station, and then yep. you kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for, I was there for a year, maybe a little less than a year. Um, what changed for me was just some of, uh, what I felt like were kitchen politics, something I hadn't in a way that I hadn't experienced them before. Mm-hmm. Um, and just not seeing myself progress on the line. And, uh, it also changed my attitude toward restaurants and, you know, maybe I was like, you know, too prideful or something in that time where I was like expecting to see 
faster growth because yep. it's what I had experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that, you know, in that time I was like, well, is this how, is this what it's like then? You know, is this the kitchen yep. politics? Mm-hmm. Is this the dynamic? Like, you know, uh, maybe I don't want to, you know, pursue restaurant so hard. And it, it just happened to be at the same time that, you know, I was in my third year now and starting to do this new venture course and really thinking about what mm. was going to be feasible for me and those sorts of things. And, mm. um, I wouldn't say that that's the whole piece. I think that part of it was that, you know, opening a restaurant is, uh, really expensive. It's really huge investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, opening a clothing store, not so much. I was interested in, you yeah. know, that too. So, yeah. um, it was perfect. Like the timing was, yeah, well, yeah. learning one thing, feeling the other thing at the, at work. And all of a sudden it shifts your, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And that's when I, that's when I went hard into the gallery, which was, was on 17th Ave for five years. Yeah. 17th um, and 17th, uh, between 17th and 9th, like almost across the street from Bino where mm-hmm. made by Marcus yep. is that used to be aluminum planet. Oh yeah. And then there was worth, which is that gluten-free restaurant. Yeah. That's worth, and next to worth was the gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what was about that little that little that little strip right there? Why was it like? Why was it all of a sudden be- became this like clothing kind of spot with Aluminum Planet there and like, yeah, just all of a sudden like just by coincidence you guys are all going there. Sort of. It was also a weird time. So I signed my lease in uh, April two thousand eight. There were like no vacancies on Seventeenth mm-hmm. Avenue. Um, worth had just been open maybe less than a year. Um, and then the space next door to him, uh, you know, came available and I was like, oh, well, you know, this is a good mix, right? Like this is, you know, clothing, 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 uh, and we're all kind of different and it's going to be great, you know? And so uh, 2008, are you now done school? 2008, I am, I have just finished my third year and I'd done that new, new venture feasibility course and I was like, okay, I'm going to apply it. I'm just going to go for it. Like now's the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm over kitchens. <laughs> I'm going to get into, now I'm going to get into retail. Yep. And, uh, but it was super important to me that it was going to be an art gallery as well. And that we were going to have these openings every month, like first Thursdays and stuff like that. And were you still, sorry, were you, as you're working in the kitchens, are you still like the creative side of you? Is it kind of buried away? Are you like, Taking photos, you messing around with anything, or you just kind of like you are looking at things that inspire you, magazines or whatever. Um, I'm uh, the cooking was the creative outlet for me. Mm. You know, it was the plating, it was the combination of food ingredients. You know, yep. those sorts of things. Not so much that you you don't get that so much at the keg. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's where I was finding my my outlet. I was you know drawing and sketching and stuff at home mm. and. You know, I uh, made or bought some spray paint at some point, and, mm. you know, yeah. done that thing. But, uh, you know, it was never like I was never developing into the artist, yep. so to speak. Yep. Gotcha. So so now you want to now you decide that you want to, you know, you want to build something that builds a community, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. To use that word community, because that's something that I kind of as I'm figuring myself yeah, community seems to be a big part of what I do and why I do my thing. So mm-hmm. you want to build an art community. You're not mm-hmm. an artist, so you come up with this idea. Yep, and yep. bring them all. Essentially, host the party, bring everyone into your space. Yeah, essentially, and you know, it made a splash. I gotta say, you know, when we opened, and and it was, I think, the fact that it was presenting opportunity to young artists, like young emerging artists, a lot of kids from ACAD. Yeah, um, you know being able to come in and uh, apply for a show or something, you know, we, we would show it and yep. trying to mix in uh, uh, more experienced artists when we had the chance. So we, you know, we did do a show for, uh, for David yep. um, that was, you know, super successful. So what, what would your shows look like? Like what would that, like a grand opening kind of thing? Like what was it? Oh yeah. So, um, so the shop was designed so that the clothing was low and along the walls and, uh, uh, to maximize, you know, the white wall space. Mm-hmm. And when we'd have a show, we would just cover up all the clothes with like one big vinyl thing yep. that just like was black. Uh, we had a DJ booth in the back. Um, and music, sorry, 
Did you just keep on like I'm just like <laughs> the, the the music thing, like the DJ thing? Yeah. W- were you always into music, or why do you, like why do you put a DJ booth in a clothing store? Uh, you know, it was being a streetwear store, heavily influenced by hip hop, mm. and uh, well, that's why I didn't get an invite. I didn't play hip hop. Yeah, this is why, <laughs> why our paths were like yeah, totally. here and House here, and right? hip hop. We just didn't go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, so we, you know, it is important to me that you know, to have the ability to have a DJ there, especially you're doing art openings or yeah. something like that. And, um, uh, but yeah, anyway, it was, you know, mostly white walls, mm-hmm. uh, cover up the clothes, art goes up. There's an art installation every mm-hmm. month, you know, an artist. Every gonna, month. Yeah. So right. like someone will So you were paint. hosting a party. Oh yeah. So they, yeah, exactly. And man, I was painting that store white every month. Like Crazy. we started to lose square footage because mm-hmm. it was just, just like coming out. rolling it. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So that was like, uh, when you say make a splash, yeah. that was kind of part of your idea was to kind of bring people into your environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And these up and coming, up and coming artists, mm-hmm. did you just kind of hand select them? They would kind of want, they would show you their portfolio. You'd be like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I would try and, you know, you know, try and have some, really reputable artists well we did some group shows too but um i thought you know maybe it'd be better to focus on one artist a month and just do that and really showcase it give them that the chance to like show yep. a full body of work and yep. you know we showed dave we showed um his brother matt browning mm-hmm. just like phenomenal mm-hmm. um and uh some some other people too eric louis who's a great artist he moved out to vancouver um uh, we've had photography shows. We did yeah. like a, uh, one of the cooler ones was called art and soul. So that was like a footwear show, you know, that, that would be one of our group ones where everyone paints a, a canvas shoe, and, cool. you know, show that. And we actually did one because I was doing this and my buddies owned El Cartel in Vancouver. We actually organized one that went across Canada. So we, you know, have a group shoe show that went from, you know, Vancouver to Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. Mm. Yeah. Cool. It's fun stuff. How, and, and the streetwear side of it, so mm-hmm. there's art up top and streetwear below it. Yeah. Um, you just picking lines that are interesting? Absolutely. I, um, you know, I had certain brands that I was really attracted to. What were, to what were they back then? Uh, back then, uh, there was one of our first brands was called Upper Playground. And it was from San Francisco. And some of uh, my favorite illustrators worked for the brand. So they were, you know, designing T-shirts and stuff. And so mm-hmm. we brought in a lot of their stuff. Um, how'd you find them back then? Uh, going to the shows. So go to literally traveling. Yeah. There's no, there's no swiping to find anything at that point. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. It's like work work to find these things. No. So yeah, you have to, you know, you have to go to the trade shows and, Mm. you know, check them out. And, um, yeah, that was a, that was a big one for me in the beginning. And then it was brands like Stussy and Mm. Undefeated and, uh, yeah, Rockwell and just like some cool streetwear brands. But I gotta tell you, like, worst time to get into streetwear it was just like because there wasn't anything wasn't a lot of options or it wasn't that good because it was almost over everywhere oh, you were like forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah timing yeah yeah it was terrible and you know i'm not gonna say it was terrible but it was terrible timing uh in terms of global trends and mm-hmm. and retail trends and the the internet and mm-hmm. the way people started getting their information you know, if I had, you know, gotten into business a couple of years later, it would look totally yeah. different. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be like an online store had to be yeah. at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, and then that's, that's what I did because the next, the next shop um, that I opened was called Understudy. It was on First Street. And it was, you know, I was sort of seeing this change in, in, in menswear and clothing and, um, and those sorts of things as like, uh, this needs to progress quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my lease on 17th Ave is just killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every store on the street yep. closed at one time, yep. you know, and we were an island, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you so know. Lease, lease is coming to a close. You're seeing a new opportunity in, in, the, yeah. in the industry. Yeah. And you did the yeah. switch. Yeah, and by coming to a close, like we still had two years on it. Yep. But I was like, you know, I have to start the next thing in case we don't even make it, yep. you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so understudy opened, uh, and it was more of a progression. I was 
you know, more focused on menswear, more contemporary. It? it was on First uh, First Street and 13th Ave. Um, okay. Uh, what was next to us at the time? I mean, it's next door to where Vine Arts is now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was another, I think, you know, big splash in terms of the menswear and the products that we were, we were bringing in. And yeah. A different style, like a different, dude, I know nothing about fashion. <laughs> I'm the most like, I know nothing. So you're educating me right now. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, much more thoughtful, much more, um, you know, uh, on trend in menswear, but also focused on color brands uh, from, you know, different parts of the world, Japan, mm. New York, those mm. sorts of things. And um, yeah. And so, you know, again, we're just trying to offer like a different product, a more exclusive product and, yep. the, and a tighter curation. And how big was the, how big was that space? It was um, about 800 square feet. Yeah. And you Maybe. worked it every day? No, I had two business partners there. Okay. And, um, you know, whole other story there yep. in terms of how those things go. Different podcast? Yeah, <laughs> different podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the store that's there now is called Newish. Um, so it's a thrift store yep. or vintage store. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty cool. It's actually a little collective of of business owners, which mm-hmm. is neat to cool. see. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, um, the, for the gallery, how long did you run that one? And then... So five years of gallery, we yep. actually, so I um, started on uh, 17th Ave. We did move to First Street next door to understudy for okay. our final year there. Yep. Um, and uh, the whole purpose of moving the gallery to First Street was to actually just get out of that lease earlier and yep. hope that they could rent it out you know, sooner and save yeah, save $9,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And, Good idea. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, uh understudy uh i think it was 2011 mm-hmm. that it opened yeah yeah and it uh 2011 2012 and it closed last year oh crazy yeah but i left in 2017 so the, the interesting the interesting piece for me is the idea of to go get an education to build a business mm-hmm. you know to put all these do you find does that did that provide you the foundation to to make these decisions on the business side you know, whether to how to open, you know, like budgets or is it, is it you just seeing something and going after it? Uh, and yeah. And that like goes back to one of your earlier questions, like, you know, the, the last business plan that I wrote for the purposes of opening a business was for the gallery, mm. you know, and since then, you know, it's been just doing seeing it. the, seeing the vision, understanding what you've just gone through yep. and kind of building on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, so when you're when you decide to close a business, I don't want to like go to the shitty the shitty time, but like, is it very clear what has to happen, and is that the most difficult to think decision? Think, sometimes it's very clear. Like sometimes you know your bank account's like you got to close, <laughs> right? That's black and white yeah. or black and red. Yeah. And um, you know, other times it's not so clear at all. Um, other times uh, you're hanging on to things for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you're just like hopelessly naive or optimistic that yeah. it's going to, con- going to turn around. Yeah. yeah. Maybe next month. Yeah. So, I mean, failing fast, you know, was a lesson that I never learned, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. well, I have now, but yeah. hopefully I'm not in that position. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have another business while the second store is open or is it like close or get out of that one and then do something else? Where's the, where's the next step for you? I mean, the next step is just a continuation of my uh, restaurant career. So you're going back. Well, things were so hard on 17th Avenue. Uh, and I was, I had a, you know, uh, my girlfriend at the time and I, we had a kid at, you know, I was 23 yep. and the gallery was, you know, a year and a half old and uh you know all of this all of a sudden this thing is happening uh outside of that and uh so i uh i needed some security you know mm-hmm. and uh so i went back and started working at una uh cuz steve smee who was over at mercado before opened una uh with uh, jamie and kelly over there and right across the street yeah so i was like well this i'm you know i'm going to moonlight here and uh i was there for like 6 years i just no like, way. went for, yeah 
crazy. Yeah. So I was bartending there and it just subsidized my life, you yeah. know, in the way that yep. needed to happen. Yep. And, uh, what if it wasn't an Italian joint? Would you have still gone there? Like, uh, or, or, or is it him? Was it, was it your buddy that kind of drove the reason? It was, it was the team there, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. And again, being like, uh, you know, three months in, you knew that Uno was like the spot. Mm -hmm. It was like two hour wait list. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, mm -hmm. so, uh, so yeah, that was what, what initially drew me there for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So you're um, moonlighting. So you got, so I'm moonlighting, I'm doing all this stuff, all these mm -hmm. business activities are happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I guess the next thing for me, you know, while understudy was going is, you know, I still had a, a love for, you know, for food, um, you know, a love for, you know, doing something really creative. Uh, I got into, you know, I did ended up doing like a pop-up, uh, restaurant called Sum Sum. So it was a pop-up dim sum restaurant. We did it at Commonwealth where we, nice. you know, took over the whole, uh, took over the whole bar for like, you know, on Sunday for like three Sundays in a row. I remember that. And we just like, you know, decked it out like, you know, with decor and music and lighting. And we even had dim sum carts built and my buddy Xander uh, and I did that. He was the kitchen guy. I was going to be the front house marketing, mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so did that pop up, uh, did another, uh, you know, Why dim sum, sorry. I really liked him. So. Just like, <laughs> you just figured out how you could well, do, it, do it properly? I got to say, dim sum's really hard to cook. It's yeah, I really, can't imagine. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I was like, there's like no soup dumpling joint in Calgary, so we got to do soup dumplings. And like, I couldn't pick a more difficult dumpling, I don't think, to, <laughs> to try and make. So, uh, oh man, I mean, we were prepping, we were, you know, figuring it out. We were prepping at Commonwealth in their tiny little kitchen while they were partying like, like the night's going right yeah like mm -hmm. night's going and it's the night before service and mm -hmm. you know we have the, the walls are shaking yeah we have everything's shut so nobody could see us but we're back there and we're like making soup dumplings and it's just like base and it's mm -hmm. rumbling and then you know and the first the first service was kind of a disaster because we stored these dumplings in uh commonwealth's you know fridge attached to the kitchen there um but it was a cake fridge and it was super humid so when we went back in the next morning for mm -hmm. service, they were like melt, just like just, and we were oh man, it was heart wrenching. Because you, yeah. this is the first one. That was the so first. You one. sent out all the personal texts and email, like you, you, you've got your entire network to come check this out. I'm guessing it, it was insane. We had a, we had a, um, we did a lead campaign going up to it, and um, so our Mailchimp list was a thousand people mm -hmm. before the first service, and like they all showed up. You know, it was like lined up Crazy, down the street. Man. Um, and nothing went right at all. It was one of those things where you're like, just like, <laughs> just tuck and run. I was just like standing at the line, just like looking into the kitchen and, you know, Sanders, you know, and our kitchen guys are just like, mm -mm, this isn't good. And I'm just like hot in the face. Cause mm -hmm. there's like, you know, 200 eyes on me in the mm -hmm. back. Like, where's the dim sum? Mm -hmm. You know, it was What'd you crazy. do? You order McDonald's and give them like cheeseburgers? <gasps> no, we got through it. We had other menu items, right? Oh. You know, but you know, soup dumplings were going under terrible. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know what we did for the next, for the next two, we, uh, uh, I ordered them from great taste. Mm. I just went in there. I was like, I need, you know, I need 800 dumplings, mm -hmm. you know, next Sunday. Can you make mm -hmm. them? They were like, yes. Done. Done. No problem. Lesson we know learned. how to do that. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So then this pop-up idea is, is it you just like dipping your toe back in the restaurant world with your own kind of like leading the... Yeah. Know. That was me staying involved, you know. Um, yeah. Just, you know, and wanting to do something like... Were you testing something? Uber creative. I was, you know... Testing yourself, like testing your theory, testing like, do you think I can do this like full time? No, I think I think I've always just been driven by like making something happen, like mm -hmm. making a a thing that people experience, and mm -hmm. um, you know, and just going for it, I guess. Yep. Uh, a month after we did that first sum sum, like the three weeks, uh, uh, Randy Gibson and I threw a factory party at the Planetarium, like where Contemporary Calgary is now, mm -hmm. and it was part of a it was part of the fundraiser for Contemporary Calgary. Um, so boom goes a drum was doing, you know, this 
big event Steve Martin was going to be at and yeah. um, this huge live auction and they're just raising like as much money as they can for the for the new location of Contemporary Calgary and um, the after party uh, was to be factory party and I don't know if you ever went to one um, mm. but they were like Andy Warhol inspired art art parties that started on a you know micro scale you know at like a small gallery called Art Life and you know it was just hipsters showing up and drinking beer and like painting the walls and stuff mm -hmm. and tinfoil everywhere and mm -hmm. but like live bands too and that was a big part of it uh so over a couple of years they did you know six or eight of them and i i helped uh so randy gibson's like the you know uh the master behind those and i just helped him sell tickets sometimes and yep. helped them promote them um and they culminated in this you know huge format at the uptown theater and it was like literally like a couple thousand people showing up sponsored by molson like you know multiple stages multiple bands and stuff and mm -hmm. so it, it all went away um you know after the last one uh i don't remember what year that was but you know fast forward six years later or so uh you know we're tasked with doing another one at the planetarium mm -hmm. so this some some happened factory party was the next month mm -hmm. and it was just crazy man it was like we had, you know, we had three stages, we had five art installations, we had six bands, six DJs, and then just like decor throughout that we that we had to put together. Crazy. We did it in like five weeks or something, and yeah, but loved it. Like it, 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 you're involved, you're like front and center yeah. in a community. You're like put, you're doing everything you that you do. Uh, love hate, you know. Mm. Like there were times in the moment where I was like, "This is it. I'm." Mm. I'm just gonna yep. die yeah it's over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah crazy i feel like i have ptsd from it all <laughs> <laughs> that probably is a touch of it so so after the pop-ups what are you like then where then where are you at um you know well i needed some time to recoup uh <laughs> mm -hmm. i felt like you know it was just a uh crazy period of time in my life and uh yeah it was i don't know if i was like doing all this stuff and like soul searching thing or whatever mm -hmm. it was but um needed to chill out a little bit after that yeah yeah just like be like away from people or just yeah i mean i think just like you know you you do these things and there's something about doing something very um very creative that makes you more vulnerable mm. because, you know, on the spectrum of businesses, you know, you can have something that's very logistical and not creative, like a trunk trucking company or something, yep. you know, to like being an artist mm -hmm. where everything you do is just an expression of yourself. Yep. So, um, you know, being one step back from that and, and doing these creative projects that were, um, meant to really engage the community and provide an experience, all that stuff, and all that, you know, creativity being like just the execution of this vision that you yeah. have. Um, it's really hard to fail at any part of it because, you know, a lot of eyes are on it. And yeah. it's maybe why I don't like take, that's why I'm not in the spotlight. So yeah. Much. It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's <laughs> exhausting. It can be. Well, you just don't, you just want some, some sort of shroud yeah. between you and everybody mm -hmm. in case, you know, it goes wrong, you mm -hmm. know, or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of energy. To like it's a lot of energy and it's a, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure that you put on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're a high performer and you, you like see the vision, you know, where, you, where it needs to execute. And yeah. It takes a lot of energy. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of take your time. And then when, where's your, when you decide you're ready to do something, what's your, where's your move? Uh, at that time? Yeah. Um, well, at that time, I think it was shortly after, you know, maybe one year after that things started falling apart with our, with my partnerships at, uh, at understudy, yep. you know, things were, were going sideways there. Um, you know, it, again, you know, I felt like I've always had, multiple things on the go not just out of like you know uh creative need for it but also out of a financial need for it and mm -hmm. also just making sure that you know i'm good yep. the whole time i'm like i'm trying to not bartend anymore because 
you know, my nights are just yep. getting eaten up. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, what are things that I can do simultaneously and still, you know, keep the lights on and like, you know, uh, still like, you know, support, you know, what I need to support at home. Yep. And um, so I was doing some consulting on the side. You know, I had I had really done, you know, what I think was a very good job of scaling our uh, e-commerce business at the shop. And um, I started, uh, you know, I had been learning more and more about digital advertising, about, you know, e-commerce, yep. Shopify, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I started, you know, consulting, and I had a couple, you know, clients come on. And, you know, one of them I'm still doing work for now, Crazy. which is great, mm-hmm. you know. And um, that started to, like, grow and grow a little bit. And, yep. Um, I had a studio space uh, where we were doing all our photography for e-commerce and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, well, let's, you know, you know, rent a couple desks in here too, just some other photographers or creative people. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met uh, my partners for monitors. So we were all kind of sharing a space and I was consulting on the, the advertising end. Yep. And, you know, uh, uh, Lauren and Cam were, you know, doing some branding and website design and mm-hmm. development and they were you know in the space with me renting there and then we ended up uh we ended up getting a client which is round square and that what that client was at the time the scope of work was big enough that we needed financially to, to create a company just yeah. to organize it better and that's kind of how monitor happened mm-hmm. interesting yeah so just by chance you decide to rent some desks mm-hmm. and some like-minded people show up yeah. And you guys all of a sudden, yeah, here we are, yeah. monitor. Complimentary skill sets, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was, you know. What year was that? That was 2017. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So now monitor's obviously still doing its thing. Yeah. Monitor's doing its thing. Uh, I departed from understudy on, like, you know, not amazing terms. Mm-hmm. Um and kind of left retail behind me at that point. Yep. Uh, you okay with that? You, you, is there anything in you that still wants to, you know, if you can put a different colored lens on, yep. would you ever do retail again? I just did. <clears throat> I just did, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but this time it's way different. Uh, okay. Where absolutely nothing depends on us selling something, mm. you know. Um, yeah. So Lamano, you know. We, our production kitchen on 15th Avenue is also a retail shop. And that space happens to be that studio that I had before that was our photo studio. So, um, you know, but pre Lamano, we got to talk about nights and weekends. Yep. So, because. <laughs> Go. Because <laughs> <laughs> nights and weekends, that was, uh, uh, 2018 winter 2018 that uh we started and uh it's actually because of some some uh that a developer approached me jim mitchell he is an investor at meat bread he owned you know and he's got a bunch of other spaces but he approached me at a party that was helping cater and he was like aaron i gotta talk to you um you know mean bread it's here it's in the grain exchange uh they're only operating during the day and i'm trying to figure out how i can get some some revenue in there in the space at night, mm-hmm. you know, would you be interested in doing something like some, some, and then back in my head, I was like, never some, some ever again. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was going to be, but, um, I was like, I can do something cool. That's a beautiful, beautiful room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in a cool location. It doesn't feel like Calgary. It's grand exchange. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, sign me up and so that was october and then by december i had a kitchen team and a front of house team and branding um and the promotion around it and we opened like you know first weekend of january great time to open (laughs) yeah yeah uh but it was great you know it was like you know a really full-on pop-up experience in terms of you know what we were the level we were executing uh both conceptually with food and you know service our 
you know, wine selection, everything was really tight. Yep. Yep. And it was, um, uh, you know, we did it for like a year and a half. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. January 2019, uh, all the way through to, you know, wow. March 2020 and the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So then that one's just ran its ran its course or was just the the world ending kind of needed to stop well we could we just didn't have a we couldn't have a space anymore yeah you know already we're layering you know a complex business on top of a restaurant yeah which is a complex business and with things closing all the time and you know uh, i mean remember when we all thought it was just going to be two weeks yeah you know yeah totally, <laughs> totally. and uh and there's been like multiple lockdowns since mm. then. And yep. uh, so we've had, we've had potential spaces like, you know, we, for a while pursuing it pretty hard, like, you know, I'll go find another spot for this. And to do it full time ish yeah, or to just keep doing it full time yeah. because, you know, we had, we would spend, you know, we'd be every Wednesday to Saturday kind of thing every week yep. ongoing yep. in the spaces that we're going into. So I was looking for another space to do that in. And, uh, you know, a couple of things came across our, our plate and we we couldn't move on it yep because something would change mm-hmm. totally <laughs> yeah um but lamano kind of started out of that so it was you know at first it was out of necessity like okay i got to keep some revenue coming in for you know to keep some staff on yep you know and i would say most of the staff you know they had you know they had to be let go yep um but you know wanted to keep a couple of people on to support you know that going forward and um and as things became more permanent in terms of uh, like, oh, this isn't just like a, a two-week or four-week thing, mm-hmm. um, I had to decide that we this actually needs to be a viable business. Uh, so um, that's when I started really focusing on it. That's when Pasta Club started in January. That was um, the first. That was the first kind of version of. Yeah, we had been doing small amounts of wholesale to other stores, yep. you know, and doing our online stuff direct to consumers. But um, we, you know, I was like, well, like the best way to do this right now is to just get that, uh, you know, that recurring revenue model mm-hmm. going. And yep. um, Pasta Club seems cool, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I was like, I can collaborate with a different chef every single month mm-hmm. on a feature, you know, really push it. Uh, and, you know, Mike uh, Pijo was a huge help in, you know, some of those collaborations and just, you know, being like the face of things. And also like, yep. you know, he's just such a, uh, you know, well-regarded guy in the industry. Um, so that's, that's how Lamano really started is uh, just first ghost, ghost kitchen kind of thing. Like just put it all together and then totally first it was like going to be probably temporary and then we'll yep. see where it goes. And yep. then things became more long-term. And, um, you know, when I decided to go for, it, I made the commitment of, you know, okay, I'm going to build out our production kitchen in my photo studio that no one's using. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's going to be my like retail spot as well, where you can walk in and buy fresh pasta and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff on the shelves. Um, Why'd you go back to pasta? Everyone loves pasta. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Do you think if you didn't go, if you didn't have your crack at Mercado, would you have gone there? You know, if like. Well, I think. I mean, were you always a pasta guy? It just doesn't. You would have got there eventually. I always loved cooking pasta oh, for sure. Yeah, it was always a strong suit of our chef at nights and weekends. It was always a strong suit of his um, to make pasta. You know, and. Uh, it just made sense. Like at the time I was like, you know, this is something we can do. Mm-hmm. And the startup on it, all you need is a pasta, one pasta machine, which yep. we had, you yep. know, and then, you know, later I invested in you know, more, yep. more tools, <laughs> more tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's endless where you can yep. do with that. But, yep. uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of the challenges is not, is being, not being Italian. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, so I think from here on out is always trying to take the perspective, you know, learning and improving yep. and, uh, never being a hundred percent happy with what you have. Yep. And, and I think that's just part of, you know, it's, you have to, it's, it's a part of everything, part yep. of business, part of, yep. you know, being, um, 
creative as part of, um, you know, serving the community the best that you can and executing a vision. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the pat the the idea of collaboration. So, are you doing that every month, or is it kind of seasonal or quarterly, or, you, or like where's your because that you know it's different chef every month. Is it? Yeah. And they're putting they're putting their own spin on something with your kind of foundation of offerings, or is it like the whole? It's all their stuff every, going out the door. It's blank slate. Um, we have uh, we do have over five hundred members now, and so. That's a lot of pasta to me. That is a lot. It's a huge amount. And so the only parameters we usually give uh, the chef we're working with is um, try not to pick a very complicated yeah, noodle. Because you need 500 things got to go out the door. Well, you know, something like tortellini that's really small and yep. folded mm-hmm. and there's multiple moves. Mm-hmm. It's like you do that times 18,000, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. know, that's how many you have to make. Yeah. So that's our only thing. It's like, just make it, you know, mm-hmm. ravioli's easier, mm-hmm. egg nolodi's easier. You mm-hmm. can just like, you know, do long cuts of, yep. you know, and stuff like that. Uh, but otherwise, it's like, whatever your recipe is, you know, and we'll scale it up. You know, we'll make 200 liters of it. No way. But, um, you know, that can be, you know, figured out, right? Um, local uh, local collaboration? Or are, you ta- are you bringing people from outside of Calgary? So far, we've remained in Calgary. Cool. Um, I would like to branch out as well. Um, but there's just so many. There's great chefs in Calgary. And, and how do you get access to them? What's your... Uh, just, I just send them a message. Just say, hey, I, yeah. got, I got this little club on the side here. Yeah, it's an email or it's on Instagram. And, you know, we've, in the beginning, we've definitely worked with, like, yeah, guys that we know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, um, but I'm trying to branch out and branch out and mm-hmm. um, show some like diversity and some you know some different types of food as well because it doesn't have to be only Italian chefs you're working with mm-hmm. on a pasta so yep. you know uh, it was, it's our sous chef actually you know this month she's doing a Taiwanese one and last last month we did you know with Jesse Mann over at um, from Modi Mahal and Saffron so he you know he had his Indian no uh, flair on it and when those come together it sometimes is just the best flavor so. Super cool. Yeah. It's, mm. it's great because it's a, it's a thing where there's just endless, yep. you know, endless opportunities to work with someone mm-hmm. and to highlight yep. some, some type of food. Yeah. Yep. Super cool. So past clubs doing this thing, mm-hmm. rolling, everything's good. Yeah. And then you decide I got time for something else or like, <laughs> what's the, I don't what's, what's, time, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm out i'm like you know (laughs) like uh i think i think things have settled a bit i mean i want to continue to grow the businesses i have i i don't want to be you know it's been you know 14 15 years of this and this and this when you talk about it all it sounds really hectic you know it's like what are you talking about you did that and Mm. and then you were doing uh yeah but uh the reality is like each thing has been, you know, years, like the yeah, gallery is five years, yeah. you know, and understudy was, mm-hmm. you know, seven years I was there. And then it was like, you know, so even though there's some pop-ups in between, yeah. um, yeah, I do, I do like to focus and I do like to, you know, see something through and, yep. you know, create this, um, you know, long lasting thing as well. Well, what about first street? How does that play into all this? Like first street market, yeah. Well, we're there. We're at you know it's a counter counter service restaurant, and you know we're in it. I, it's for us. It's a good outlet to showcase you know how we can put dishes together uh, in a restaurant setting. Yeah. Um, it comes with its own challenges. You know, space being one of them. And, mm-hmm. You know, uh, what I what I didn't take into account was just in that setting how fast people want their food because mm. they're like, oh, it's like you know it's yeah. like walking into a food court at Chinook. it's yeah. not like the restaurants that are in there are like you know really developing things yeah. um so that's how our approach it to everything is anyways it's like we're we're making restaurant food here um but people want it in yeah. like five minutes mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah. order walk down and then pick it up and walk out yeah like order and then stand there and like <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're building it from scratch you know so is it just a play off of the club like is it you know the club you have you have 
uh, different um, collaborations. Yeah. This is more just you guys said it. It's us. It's it's we're serving our product. We're making the we're making pasta fresh at our kitchen. Yep. Um, and just bringing it over every day. Yeah. Just yeah. And the idea to go there, like to, the idea to open First Street, like you know, it's kind of like it's not. Well, know, it's a it's a it's not bricks and mortar. It is bricks and mortar, but it's not like a standalone. But you've decided to have a physical location to sell your product. Well, it's funny because the uh, I mean, if you're a resident at the Underwood, you know that First Street Market's been coming for like two and a half years. It's mm. been a long time, and uh, they they approached me because of nights and weekends. Mm. So, uh, you know, they saw what was happening with the pop up, and they're. Yep. They were like, do you want a space? Mm -hmm. And that's when talks first started. Yep. And a lot evolved since then, both in the, the deal that they were presenting and as well, my own business. And, you know, when things shut down um, for a period of time, their first street market also took a step back. And then they were like yep. reassessing. Uh, and then, you know, when it was put back on the table for me, I said, okay, like, I mean, I mean, I'm really interested, but it's no longer nights and weekends. It's Lamato. It's like, this is what we're doing. Mm. Yeah. And it, and it, yeah. Just opportunity. Hey, like just, yeah, just, yeah. Just good opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so now you're just going to let things go for a while. You're going to, you're going to focus on your three things or whatever the number is and kind of let yeah. it all settle. And yeah. I mean, I, I like to think of it as two things. You know, it seems like three, but yeah, it's, you know, my role has settled quite a lot. Yep. Um, just in general, I'm removed myself from the person that has to do everything mm -hmm. in the business to the person who's doing, doing specific things yep. and focusing. I think that's been the biggest change is focusing on the business itself and the growth of the business rather than being like the, you know, person on the tools, like, in the, yeah working like yeah exactly i'm not you know nights yep. and work weekends i was serving yep. a lot you know i was doing yep. those things um you know uh lamano it's like i've had to wear every hat at some point mm. but um but at no point has that been my job yep. right yeah and you know with monitor i mean you know we're so lucky to have uh like strong talented staff mm. there and um you know it's it's a team that like i'm really encouraged about and i think that yeah, there's a lot of growth that can happen there without, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, me being the one doing client work all of the time. Yeah, right? so. yeah, it's a good spot to be. Yeah, it's taking years to get there, but it's a great spot to be. Yes, yeah, a lot of that is just figuring out what you're what you're good at, right? Yeah. Or, or more specifically, like what you're not good at, mm -hmm. and and learning learning what you're not good at, learning what you know nothing about, and uh, and then surrounding yourself with the the right people who do do that really well. Yeah. yeah it's the only way. Yeah. Um, this has been really cool, man. Um, there's only, I got to put a bow on this one. There's only one question I ask the guest. It's when I say Calgary, where does your head go? Um, yeah, immediately the kind of like mental image in my mind, the visual that pops up is of 17th Avenue. I've spent so much time, you know, on 17th Avenue, living around, I've always been within a couple of blocks, yep. you know, so um, What's the first picture in my head is like of the street and then mentally, emotionally, <laughs> uh, a little bit more, uh, you know, there was, I've just had so many experiences that have been, you know, frustrating or like, you know, combative on the street and just, you know, wanting things to, to get better. But more importantly, um, in those experiences, I've met a ton of people and, uh, you know, I've worked in these places that are all have built a community around them. And, uh, and there's a lot of businesses that aren't there anymore. You know, like you think about my time at the gallery, but, you know, think about Giant 45 and Group 7 and Rumors and Stussy, Goodfoot and Divine and, you know, 100% legit, you know what I mean? But like every, all of these places yeah. have, you know, built communities around them. Yeah. And those people, those, those places, they're still doing stuff, you know. They've moved on to other things, but um, they're still contributing to the city. And, uh, and I feel lucky to be a part of that and, you know, yeah, to be kind of 
have made my mark, you know? And I think that's kind of the unique opportunity that Calgary presents is the ability to make your mark on the city. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's like that in every city, you know? I think there are, there are cities that affect you more than you affect it. And mm -hmm. Calgary's, Calgary's a place where you can, you know, do something that people recognize. And, yeah. yeah, I agree, man. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective because I think, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know any different just being born and raised here, but it, it feels that way, right? We have yeah. the opportunity to do something mm -hmm. that will affect yeah. something like yeah. people or. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, even if what you do is temporary and it disappears, you know, uh, there are, you know, people who still feel connected to it. You know, if I say a business that's not there anymore and you used to go there, mm -hmm. you're like, you have that connection to it. Yep. And, uh, and that just, it builds and builds. And, yep. you know, I think that's, you know, that's the thing about Calgary. Yep. Super mm -hmm. cool, man. Um, thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah. Thank you. It's fun. Yeah, it's been super cool to, to kind of like hear your backstory and really understand what you've done and what you're up to right now. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Can't wait to, uh, to see Ryan's. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, man, we'll talk soon. <laughs> okay.